introduce to you our preachers this morning for Youth Sunday. Claire Dahl is first, and then our youth director, Jamie Darty, will be preaching second. And I wanted to let you know who they were. So let us welcome them and hear the word of God. Thank you for the introduction. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> As you now know, or already knew, my name is Claire, and as some of you know, I sing here. Um, I'm the music intern under the wonderful guidance of the lovely Barrett. <laughs> I just turned 17, and I am a senior in high school at Ravenwood right up the road. And as a senior, I have recently been applying to colleges. Not too long ago, I received a rejection letter from my top college. And as you can imagine, I was disappointed, and though I had been accepted into two other universities, and they were good universities too, shortly after, I felt discouraged and was nervous to be rejected by my other choices too. Now, why am I speaking about applying to undergraduate university? I'm sure this doesn't apply to most of you here. <laughs> it is an example of learning to trust God and acknowledging that it is not worth worrying about something that you cannot change or control, which that's an aspiration that I know all too well. I spoke with my mom about how I was feeling and spent some time praying and reflecting before falling asleep. I've realized one thing, whichever university I go to will follow God's plan. Though it might frighten me that I do not know where I will spend the next four years of my life, it does not frighten God, because he already knows where I'm going. And it might seem like it's my choice, but whatever choice I make, and of course, whatever university accepts me in the first place, will end up becoming the right choice. It is I choosing God's already laid out plan, not, well, hopefully not, <laughs> God picking one college and deciding, well, if Claire Dahl doesn't attend this particular college, she's making a mistake and straying from her path. I would like to quote our psalm for today, Psalm 71, verse 5. And it reads, For you are my hope, O Lord God, my confidence since I was young. This line resonates with me especially because God is my hope and is what gives me confidence or at least more confidence, that the pieces will fall into place and everything will happen as it should. I'm confident that everything has a reason and everything has a purpose. Now, even if my college experience isn't perfect, it will work out. First of all, I mean, how can one even quantify a perfect experience? Second, people make mistakes and life isn't perfect, and it doesn't even have to be perfect to be good. I like my life. It's not perfect, but it's great, and I'm sure many of you feel the same. God probably wants us to make mistakes, to learn from them and continuously improve ourselves as individuals. Third of all, events and choices build upon each other. So perhaps it is more of the bigger picture and about where I will end up as a result of getting a degree at a university. I struggle sometimes to remember 
that God's time plausibly runs at a different pace than our own perception of it does. And for God, it's not about the here and the now. It's how everything eventually fits on a far larger scale into his plan. So a sliver of advice I can offer, if I may, based on the psalm and my recent reflections is, just like I tell myself when I'm painting like the crude foundational shapes of my next AP art project, to trust the process. Trust the process. Trust God's process and let it instill confidence in you. This is easier said than done. And I feel like I'm offering this advice mostly to myself. <laughs> but each of us do have a purpose. And each of us have been blessed with the gift of the opportunity to live a meaningful life. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, in everything and inside of us. Believe in yourself because God believes in you and he loves you. Amen. Good morning. Um, as Mother Natalie said, I'm Jamie Doherty, the Youth Ministry Director here, and I am happy and proud to welcome you to another Youth Sunday, um, where you get to see some of the many talents of our youth on display. Um, and you will also be treated to the prayers of the people that we wrote in youth group. So we have some youth written prayers this Sunday. Um, but for now, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Our gospel reading today begins with Jesus saying, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. We are starting about as in the middle of the story as we could. As we read on, we can gather from context clues that we are in the synagogue in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. But which scripture is Jesus talking about, and how has it been fulfilled? Next, the gospel reading tells us, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. Okay, whatever he just said that we missed must have been pretty awesome. But then, if we read on, three or four lines later, that very same crowd is trying to hurl Jesus off of a cliff in rage. What happened here? I think we need to figure out what scripture Jesus has just read and what he says directly after in order to understand the dramatic 180-degree turn of his listeners. After all, we are listening to Jesus in this moment, too. If whatever Jesus read and whatever he claimed about himself had such power to shock his original audience, there is surely a challenge and a lesson for us as well. Does anyone remember last week's gospel reading? It was the passage right before this. 
in Luke. Our guest preacher last week, the Reverend Carola von Rangel, gave a great sermon about it and about her work with food for the poor. The scripture that Jesus claims is fulfilled in him is from the prophet Isaiah, who wrote some 400 years before Jesus' time. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, Jesus is claiming that mission for his ministry. He is saying, I am the one the scripture is talking about. I have been sent to proclaim good news to the poor and freedom for the oppressed. Now, why does the crowd in the synagogue get so angry right after marveling approvingly at Jesus? I think there are two main reasons and both have to do with the posture of the listeners' hearts. One reason is that the Nazarenes want to see an expression of God's power without the costly transformation that comes with it. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. They want some of the fireworks they've been hearing about. Do some cool stuff, Jesus. Entertain me. Prove you are a prophet of the Lord. Because remember, at this point, Jesus has started performing signs and miracles, such as changing water into wine at a wedding in Cana, or casting out demons in Capernaum. Word has spread. But while some of Jesus' miracles must have been spectacular, they weren't done merely for the spectacle. Each one we read about in the Gospels is for someone. Yes, it is a sign of power, but it is also an expression of God's real love for people in the world. Jesus, in saying that no prophet is accepted in his hometown, seems to be saying, even if I did a miracle here, y'all wouldn't get it. You would think it was about the show, when it's about something and someone else. How often is our own relationship with God characterized by wanting God to prove himself to us without actually upsetting the status quo or otherwise inconveniencing us? The second reason the crowd becomes infuriated, I think, is that Jesus exposes their narrow vision of who his good news is for. Jesus brings up two big names, Elijah and Elisha. There's another Elisha too to make it more confusing, but he reminds the audience of two stories recorded in the writings of the Jewish prophets, which would have been well known to these listeners. In one story, the prophet Elijah was not sent to Israelite widows, but to the non-Israelite widow at Zarephath, raising her son from the dead. 
in the other story, the prophet Elisha was not sent to any Israelite lepers, but rather to heal the non-Israelite leper, Naaman the Syrian. In highlighting these prophets' ministries to outsiders, to those on the margins of their own societies, being widows and lepers, Jesus seems to say, my ministry is not here in Nazareth. It is to those sheep that have gone astray. I'm not here to just help out my own people. I have much bigger plans. And those plans start specifically with the poor, the prisoners, the blind, and the oppressed. Now, this message sounds nice. Jesus even cut the Isaiah text off mid-verse. The full text continues, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. That's a little thornier. But the scripture that Jesus did read in, the, in that synagogue in Nazareth is pretty hard to argue with, especially for people of God. The dignity of all people, no matter their circumstance, radical acts of mercy for the downtrodden, these are very familiar ideas for those that know the Bible. Maybe so familiar that we miss the point. So we, like those Nazarenes in the synagogue, nod our heads and say, love your work, Jesus, keep it up. Oh, and by the way, here's a list of things in my life I need you to fix. Because the mission Jesus claims to embody and fulfill sounds good to almost everyone. Maybe not as good to the rich, to the imprisoners and the oppressors, but how easy is it to say, I'm not an oppressor, that guy over there, he's the oppressor. oppressor. Or conversely, I'm not blind, those other people are blind. What if instead we say, if this is the kind of mission that's fulfilled in Jesus, then that's the kind of work I want to do. I need to receive this good news for myself and I need to extend this good news to others. Who can I help? Send me. Jesus is so often misunderstood in the Gospels. He is so unconcerned with whether people like him or not. He is on a mission. He is concerned with telling the truth, with setting people free, and with real love. The kind of love that peels back facades. The kind of love and truth that will offend some people. And rather than defend his reputation to those people, he carries on speaking that truth and love to the lost. So, Good Shepherd, are we here this morning just hoping for fireworks? Is church about us? Do our ministries politely and quietly exclude 
those whose presence is uncomfortable or unwelcome, those on the margins? Or do we worship a God who sends, a God who has chosen to use his people to bring about healing, has shown us how to do it in his own life on earth, and empowered us to join him by the Spirit? Can you and I not join in the work of San Jose Obrero, Grace Works, Food for the Poor, and Slavery Tennessee, and all the other ministries this church supports? I pray that this week we would all be attentive to the ways that God might use us as vessels of his mercy, knowing that his mercy is something we have already received beyond measure. Amen.